Hello, hello. Hello, greetings. Salutation. Hi. Hello, welcome. Glad to have everyone. I invite everyone to stand. Some, some stuff's happening. I don't know what's going on. All right. It's amazing. Hello, everyone. Good morning. I invite us. Uh, let's uh, open a prayer, okay? Lord God, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather together in your name. Lord, we uh, are humbled by the fact that we are given leave to assemble in the name of Christ, our King. And we just pray that uh, this morning we don't take that opportunity for granted, Lord, that we draw closer to you and uh, really seek your face this morning. We want to lift you up in prayer. We want to hear from you. We want to apply what we hear to our life uh, immediately, Lord, and uh, have that continue on throughout the week. We trust you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray.
morning, we invite you to say hello and greet each other.
Thank you.
bunch of folks. We're in that summer travel season. We got a bunch of folks traveling this morning, so y'all keep them in your prayers. So good to see all of you today, and uh, I hope that God has been good to you all week. And you know, it's funny. We talk about God being good to us when we things that we think are good happen to us, but God's good to us all the time. Amen. 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 Please turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 5. You know, we live in a day of uh, before and after photos. We see it all the time. We see it on remodel projects. We watch it on HGTV. We see it in the latest weight loss program. This is the before and the after photo. We see that on TV all the time, don't we? You know, even cosmetic med medical procedures where you too can look like this if you go through this medical procedure. And so today, what I thought we would do over the last two or three weeks, we've been talking about what happened when we were actually saved. And so often we don't understand that. We don't really know what that is. We just kind of think we put our faith in Christ. He saves us, whatever that means. And now we get to go to heaven when we die. That's kind of the extent of our knowledge. And some of us may know a little bit more than that. But the, the issue is, as we've been traveling through that, I think most of the time as Christians, we really don't understand who we are or what who we are in Christ once we've been saved. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to do a, a, a brief recap. Well, I shouldn't say brief. We're going to do a recap today. Um, we're going to do a recap today and over, we're going to start from our lostness to really who we are in Christ and we're going to travel through this together. And so um, we're going to be essentially looking at five different areas. We're going to be looking at the fact that we were sinners, our life before Christ, our death in Christ, our life by faith and acceptance. And that's kind of how the process follows. And so Romans 5:12 says this, therefore, just as through one man, as through one man sin entered the world, even death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned in past tense. And so we see that we were all sinners. Sin entered through Adam to us. It came in that moment when he sinned, his seed was tainted from the beginning. And from that seed we come. And so we begin as sinners. We know this. Uh, parents, you don't have to teach your children to do wrong, do you? They kind of find that on their own because that's who they are. We have to teach them to do right because we're born as sinners. And so we raise them up and we try to train them, but they still will go back to that uh, until they meet Jesus Christ. And so he talks here. He says death spread to all men, which is interesting. We we're born dead. Do you ever think about that? We're born dead. Death spread. He didn't say sin spread. He said death spread to all men because of sin. And so we're born dead. And what that means is that we're, we're separated from God. 
from the moment that we are born into this world, we are separated, death spread to us. The separation that sin brings between us and God, that's where we all were. That's where we all started. And so we were all sinners. This <laughs> has no exceptions to it. There's no exceptions. You're not the exception because you're a good person. A good person doesn't mean that you have life in Christ. Because we know that there were, going back to the two trees, there was the tree of life. And we're talking about the two trees. Well, two of the trees in the garden, two of the named trees. There was the tree of life and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From which in the day that you eat of it, you die. The knowledge of good and evil. So being a good person, doing good things, does not give you life in Christ. Life is only found in Jesus Christ. There was a tree of life and life was only found there. But we battle with this in our walk, in our journey, even with the Lord. We got to do good. We got to do positive things. And, and we all talk about doing good. And I'm not saying that doing good is wrong. But if you're doing good to be accepted by God, you've missed the point. If we're doing the things we're doing because God transformed and changed us and he's leading us into them, then we've received the point. And so apart from that, why we do the things we do matters. And so we're all sinners. Then we see our life before, so we're born and we come into this world and we begin to live, right? And as, as much as we try to avoid it, children, students, you will, you are the product of your parents. How many of you, when you were growing up, ever said, well, I'm not gonna be like mom and dad did you ever say that? And then how many of you ever heard yourself say something that your mom and dad said? And went, oh man, that's my mom or my dad. Yeah, it's funny how we try to avoid it, but we can't avoid it. So we see our life before Christ. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says this. And you were dead in your sin, in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, too, we all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, in indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's how we all were before we met Christ. This is our life before Christ. We had a way of surviving life before we met Christ. We had a way that we thought this thing worked. We had a way that seemed to make sense to us because it had some success. You see, we walked every day, according to this verse, in our trespasses and sins, and we were led by five different things. We were led by the course of this world. This world will tell you that you should do this, that you should live this way, that you should go that way, that you should act toward one another like this, 
that the only thing that matters is love. Isn't that what we hear today? The only thing that matters is love. Don't judge anybody for loving. There was, I saw a, a clip, I didn't see the whole story, but there was a woman who was in love with a, a cinder block wall. And she went, she applied to marry this wall. This is true, it seems crazy to us, but she, this is a true story. And, she, and they denied her, her marriage application. And so apparently she just had an affair with the wall. And she was in love with this. And if we were to tell her that that's wrong in today's society, people would call us intolerant, right? She can love whatever she wants. Instead of saying, ma'am, <laughs> it's a wall, <laughs> right? And we would go, man, that's crazy. But there's things going on in this world today that if we don't agree with them, they call us intolerant, that God's word stands against. And the world, does, listen, I learned this a long time ago. We want the world to act like Christians and to be nice to us, right? The world is lost. They're not gonna act like Christians. We barely act like Christians sometimes. And we have the Holy Spirit of God and we have salvation. How do we expect them to do it? The world is going to act lost. And our job is not to change their behavior. Our job is to present the gospel so Jesus can change their heart. And when he does, and when he does that, the behavior will follow. But we walked according to the course of this world. It made sense to us. We walked every day in our trespasses and sins led by the devil. The devil worked in our lives saying, hey, you should do this and you should do that. And you know what? He's still after you, folks. We face spiritual warfare. It's real. It's not something that happens in a foreign country. The Bible says that he comes to us as an angel of light. And what an angel of light is, is to show you the way. And that, man, that really makes sense. And he's really good at it. He's really good at making the things of the world make sense. And he even uses scripture. How many times does Satan interact with somebody? Or how many times do we see that confrontation in scripture used? Almost always. Because if he can take the word of God and twist it and add some different conclusions to it, then he'll do that. And I think as people, we've had a tendency to buy into that because it pleases the flesh. I think that's where part of our denominations have come from. Instead of, you know what, here's the thing. If as Christians, we all kneeled before the cross of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God revealed his word to us, wouldn't we all hear the same thing? We would. We absolutely would. And let me tell you, that ought to be what unifies us. Our strength is not found in numbers. Our strength is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And when we learn how to stand and walk with Him, then the power of God will fall. Amen. Then the challenge will be keeping it pure. 
Because it's really, I mean, it's real easy to go, oh, yeah. You know, it's so funny. Um, people talk about the churches they go to. And I think, I think it's great to love where you go. I think you should. But the first thing should not be the name of the church. The first thing should not be the name of the pastor. The first thing ought to be Jesus Christ. Amen. That ought to be why we're here. You know what? In the scheme of things, other than being obedient to what God said in New Life doesn't mean anything. Other than being obedient to what God said in Mark Higgins doesn't mean anything. It's all about Him. The cross was about us. This is for Him that we do. And so we're led, we've got to be careful. When we were lost, we were led by the world, we were led by the devil, we were led by the spirit of the sons of disobedience. We kind of went along with the crowd and we kind of had the same thought. We fit in. We went along to get along. It didn't matter that they were disobedient to God because we didn't face any backlash if we went along with them. And so often today, even as Christians, we fold. Now, I don't know anybody that enjoys conflict. I dislike conflict as much as you. We all dislike it. Anybody here dislike conflict? Right? All of us. Well, nobody likes conflict. And I think that desire has kept us from speaking truth today. We're afraid we don't want to offend because the enemy has given such a boldness and a viciousness to those that are opposed to Christ that we don't want to engage that tiger. We want to avoid them. And instead, what we and what we're seeing, this is terrible. What we see is the conflict instead of the God who created this whole thing. There ain't nothing bigger than Him. Our eyes are on the wrong things, folks. And so, back before Christ, we were led also by the spirit of the sons of disobedience. We were also led by the lust of our flesh. Man, I want that seventh donut. That's what the baker's dozen is for. You can eat half plus one. Or I want to do this. Or it pleases my flesh. It makes me feel good about myself. To participate in that. Or to engage this. Or to allow that in my life. Because why does our... You ever wonder why your flesh wants sinful things instead of godly things? You ever wonder about that? Why? If God lives in me, how come my flesh still wants ungodly things? Because your flesh hasn't been redeemed yet. It's still dying. Jesus gives what? Eternal life. My flesh has yet to be redeemed. One day, when I'm reunited with it, or if I'm translated... From here in the rapture, if Jesus comes in the next five minutes or less, then I'll get a changed body. I'm hoping for some improvement. <laughs> because this body is fallen and broken. It hasn't been redeemed. That's why we struggle. 
Life before Christ, we also in, indulged. This is, I think, so interesting. I could have done the whole thing on this. We, <laughs> we walk every day in our trespasses and sins, led by the indulging the desires of our flesh and our mind. We don't talk about the mind anymore. We don't talk about the things that go into our thought life. Anybody here other than me ever had an inappropriate thought? Just making sure it ain't just me. <laughs> Three of us. Man, that's, <laughs> that's good news. <laughs> well, for y'all. <laughs> just curious, is anybody here driving Austin traffic? <laughs> Man, that'll do it. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> I'm, uh, I live in the country. When I go into Austin, I used to have a pretty good tolerance. And I've lost some of that. Like my, uh, my driving calluses have worn off. <laughs> but we have inappropriate thoughts. And we indulge them. That's what we did when we were lost. We gave in to those things. We enjoyed them. Because they made us happy. Whatever makes you happy. That's what's being sold today. And so life before Christ, here's this, watch this. We're talking about our nature. He says this, we were nature, we were by nature children of wrath. The wrath is upon those who don't know Christ. We were children of wrath. The wrath was, of God was upon us because we weren't in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's who we were before we were saved. So your nature actually placed you under the wrath. That's why you get a new nature when you come to faith in Christ. And you're no longer under the wrath of God. And so understanding how we walk before Christ allow us to see the remnants of the coping patterns that we, some of us still hold dear today. The ways that life works, we kind of held to them. Christ doesn't just get added to our life. And that's kind of what we think, is that he just kind of comes in, he saves us, we're safe now, we're good, and now he's going to help us make it through life. Well, when he comes in, the life he created for you from the foundation of the world, what he does is he starts to strip the things away that keep you from doing that. And some of them are like that. And some of them are like, you know, I think that's true, but I'm afraid to admit it because that means I've got to give up all this. I've got to give up all my confidence, the things I've trusted all this time. And we'll get into coping patterns in, in sermons ahead. So we were all sinners. Our life before Christ, we lived according to the world, the devil, the, the thoughts, their flesh. But then we meet Christ. And he says to you, you, fill your name in here. You need to be saved. You're a sinner. There's no hope for you. And he may have used different words with you. I would hazard a guess to say that's true. 
And he says, we're sitting there one day or somebody's sharing with us or we're in service or, or something happens and we realize we're lost. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and says, turn your life over to Christ. And so we do. We either go and talk to somebody and pray or we walk an aisle or we pray by ourselves and say yes to Jesus Christ. And we accept him as our Lord and Savior. In that moment, you die. In that moment, you die. Romans 6, 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. In order that our body of sin might be done away with. So we would no longer be slaves to it. So we'd no longer be slaves to it. So we die. When Jesus was on the cross, did he actually die or was it the biggest fake out of history? He actually died. It says he gave up the spirit and he died, right? So life departed. The life that we had before Christ departs us in that moment that we put our faith in Christ. That does not give us life anymore. Paul begins with the phrase, knowing this. The question is, do you realize, do you accept the fact that you've died? Now, here's how I've heard this, this taught before. And I want to challenge you for just a moment. I, and I, here's how I know it's so hard to give up beliefs, because I've had to do it here in this verse. I used to believe... That I had a sin nature that controlled me like reins. It just drove my life. And I had to obey. And that when I died, Jesus just cut those reins. And so it no longer controls me. That's kind of what we believe. Or that's what I had been taught. But that's not what happened. I want you to know something. The reins were never cut. That which was holding them was put to death. It no longer drives my life anymore. That's what the verse says. You all give me that look. Knowing this, that our old self was what? Crucified. Crucifixion was a pretty brutal death. I mean, they were good at it. They didn't die from the nail piercings. That's not how they died. You know how they died from crucifixion? They suffocated. They couldn't breathe. They no longer could hold themselves up. And they could no longer expand their lungs and they died. It's a rough way to go, but they were good at it. So when he talks about being crucified with him, it actually died. You died. And the enemy would love to tell you, no, that didn't really happen. Just like he told Eve, surely in the day that you eat of it, you won't die. Isn't that interesting? Kind of the same phrase. I never thought about that for the second. Surely you won't die. Surely you're not dead. You didn't die with Christ. He's just going to give you a new life. Now, I know you're struggling with your Christian walk. 
and you're struggling with these things, but everybody struggles. That's just part of it. You ever heard that lie? Come on, folks. This is the truth. According to Scripture, God's Word. So your old self was crucified with Christ. It died, and it died for two reasons. So our body of sin might be done away with. You do not have an evil twin living inside of you. He didn't cut the reins and leave that other guy there. Doesn't he talk about in another verse where he says, if you sweep the house clean, unless the strong man comes in, the other man comes back? Didn't he also talk about how a fountain cannot have both sweet and bitter water? So he's not going to leave us in that condition. When he put the cherub, when he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden and put the cherubim at the edge of the garden, it was so they would not go back and, and eat of the tree of life and live in that state forever. He doesn't leave us like we were and give us salvation. It violates all of Scripture. He transforms us. We are a new creation in Christ. He has done it from the very first man. And so, but the enemy would love to lie to you and say, you tell you that you love sin. And you all probably thought of something just now. And the truth is, if you're a new creation in Christ, you can't love sin. You can believe the lie that you love sin. But you can't love it. Because we're told that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. And if you're saved, the love of the Father is in you. And so he will lie to our mind and we hold on to these things and we wonder why we struggle. The only reason we struggle in the Christian life is because we believe lies is truth that the devil's planted. And they may have even been planted through a preacher somewhere. Let me tell you something. I don't want you to believe a thing I tell you. Unless you can line it up here. If it don't line up here, you need to throw it away. And you need to come, you know what? You need to come talk to me about it. And if you don't want to talk to me, go talk to Don. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Don has his resignation in his pocket. <laughs> and if you don't want to talk to Don, you can go talk to Stephen. Stephen has a very interesting story. And he would, I know he would love to go through this with you. But we died, folks. Our body of sin might be done away with. Watch this. The second reason that we were crucified with Christ was so we would no longer be slaves to sin. You are not a slave anymore. But you don't understand this thing. What about Hebrews 11 where he says the sin that, that easily beset us. So we have this easily besetting sin that we struggle with our whole life. You ever heard that one? I don't think that's a specific thing. I think that's talking about how the enemy tries to keep us from running the race that God placed before us. 
And he uses sin to do that. You are not a slave. Your mind will tell you how I just really struggle. I can't get over this. And I can't, you know, have you ever had that, that thought going through? Man, I just, there's a sin I just really struggle with. There's a sin. Don't raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for you. Do you have a sin you struggle with? Okay. I'm representing myself and maybe you. Thank you. One honest child over here. Here's the thing that's a lie. But you don't understand. Yeah, I do. I understand that you're believing the lie. But I really like it. Well, I know it appeals to your flesh. I know it makes you feel good. You wouldn't be doing it if it didn't. Y'all know that I'm not really attracted to artichokes. They don't tempt me at all. No matter where you get them. I don't like them. We're not, we're not tempted with things that don't appeal to us. Now you put some white chocolate macadamia nut cookies in front of me. Or some Rudy's barbecue. What time is it? Rudy's barbecue. They may have a different story. And so, you are not a slave to that anymore. You're free, folks. Jesus said, if I've set you free, you're free indeed. And either, if Jesus, does Jesus lie? So if you're actually free, if you're believing you're not, then you believe something that's not from him. So we'll leave it there. So don't be deceived. The old sinful you died with Christ. You're free. So now that I'm free and I've got this brand new life in Christ, you know, new Christians are fun. There was a song. This is before a new song, uh, the group became a contemporary group. This is back when they were a gospel group. They used to have this song called the Cold Water Committee. And the song was basically somebody that gets saved. They're all on fire for Jesus. They're taken on hell with a water pistol. They're telling everybody they know about salvation. You need to be saved. We're like, and then the church will sit around and go, well, they'll settle down. You know what? I pray to God you never settle down. I pray to God that we can stoke the fire of God within your heart and within the loins of your, your soul. I'm getting chills. We need to stop this. Well, we're going to just go along to get along. And Jesus can save them if he wants to save them. And if he wants me to tell them something, he'll make them ask me. And we make all these excuses in our head and we don't ever live for him. And that's exactly what it sounds like. You know, I was thinking about, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about how God actually sees me. You ever done that? And you go, well, I hope we don't see that. <laughs> he does. Or he doesn't. Because how far is my sin separated? 
and from the west, never to meet me again. So he doesn't see all of that. That doesn't mean you're getting away with anything. Because <laughs> he will address it. Because that's not who you are. He can't leave you there. So we move from dying to self to life by faith. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses, is actually written right under this carpet right here. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so once we enter a relationship with Christ, we are inextricably linked to him. There is no separation. That's what John 17 was about. Jesus prayed that you, that we would be one with, as he is one with the Father. Is there any separation between Jesus and the Father? None. Except for one moment in history. There was one moment. That's when Jesus became sin for us. It wasn't just laid on him. He actually became it. How can the perfection become sin? Only God can do that. But you know what? <laughs> Only God can take the imperfect and make us perfect. He proved that he can do it when Jesus became sin for us. So we can actually believe that we become the righteousness of God because we know he can do it. Isn't that cool? We don't pick up or put down our relationship with Christ. Well, I'm walking for him today, but today I'm walking for myself. That's kind of how function we function sometimes. But the days that I'm walking with Christ, am I linked to him? Yep. The days that I'm walking for myself, if I'm, am I still linked to him? Yeah. Eternal life, it depends on it. Does that change? Does that change your heart a little bit for those times that you really don't want to participate anymore? That's what the truth is supposed to do. That's what the truth will do when you let it find its place in your heart. See, we now experience our real life when we walk by faith in Christ. When I'm listening to him, when he's speaking to me and I'm responding to him and I'm saying yes and I'm doing what he says, whether it's on my agenda or not, whether it's on my list or not, hopefully my list at some point will start to line up with the list God has for me. And I'm not so sure that God has a list. I'm not so sure God thinks in bullet points. I think he thinks in relationships. Because the Bible said, you want to know what God does? The Bible says the eyes of the Lord Move to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts it completely is. You know, it's said that he's got to seek for it, isn't it? Sad. Sad. I hope he doesn't have to seek. I hope we can stand out and say, let your eyes fall here. We live by faith, ladies and gentlemen. We now live in the flesh, but not by the flesh. We live by faith in Christ. We're in this flesh, but we don't live by it anymore. Now we're new in Him. Now comes the hardest part. So we go from life in faith to acceptance. 
Because if the enemy can keep us from accepting all that God did in us, then we will not live by faith. We will not walk by faith. We will not trust him in each and every situation. We will not surrender our list to his lists if we don't accept it. Romans 6, 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And we talked about consider, and we talked about the Greek there, which means, it's really an accounting term, which means consider or realize that you're now alive to God. Well, but you don't understand. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't communicate with me. He hasn't shown me what to do. He hasn't asked me to do something that I'm comfortable with. <laughs> I'm going to challenge everybody here this morning. Jesus started with 12. We got a, we got a little bit of an advantage. If that's, your, if that's your situation, if you have been walking and you're not hearing the voice of God, you're not doing this, I want you to tell him. And some of you are going to be afraid, but that's okay. I want you to tell him, Lord, if you'll speak to me from your word and you'll show me in my life what you want me to do, I will learn it and I will obey you. And you'd be amazed how he begins to speak. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to start talking to you about that thing you're uncomfortable about. The reason you're afraid to say that. I know, because that's where it starts with me. <laughs> but if you're not going to obey me here, why would he speak anymore? It's not his fault. It's ours. Because we want to hold on to fleshly things instead of on to the glory of Jesus Christ. Realize that you're actually dead to sin. But sin's going to tell you otherwise. Sin's going to tell you, man, there's life in this baby. Come out, the good life. We see it on commercials all the time. You can get drunk and all the hottest men and women in the country will come and surround you. That's how they sell alcohol. You don't see, <laughs> you don't see the guy laying in the gutter vomiting and then selling alcohol that way, do you? You don't see the guy being obnoxious because he's drunk. They don't sell That doesn't sell alcohol. They lie. They lie. But we want to believe that's true. We want to believe we can have this life where everybody just loves us and everybody around us is beautiful. And so many times, <laughs> we've got to be careful that we don't believe the opposite. We believe we are alive. Oh, many times we do believe. We believe the opposite. We believe we're alive to sin and, and God is hard to find. That's what we believe. That makes sense to us. But that ain't God's fault. We listen to experience over the word of God. Well, this is the way God's always done it. Well, we're going to track and we're going to see your behavior is like this all the time. And so... How God acts is we're trying to figure God out instead of trying to figure out what God's doing in us. You never notice that? So those who want to seek the Lord, want to seek him so they can put a formula to him. Good luck to you. God's not going to be defined by your formulas. How many times did God talk to a donkey? Once. How many times did the, the finger of God write on the wall? Once. 
How many times did God's finger write on tablets and hand them to man? Once. How many times did Jesus have to die for us? Once. How many times did Jesus walk on the water speaking to the disciples? One time. How many times did Jesus walk through a wall? Once. How many times did Jesus roll the stone away? Once. How many times did Jesus get down and write in the sand and then people dropped their rocks and went away? Once. Keep trying. Good luck. Good luck. Every time I think I get God figured out, he does something different. <laughs> well, this has got to be God. He's always done it that way. Oh, really? <laughs> Listen. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. Realize you're actually alive to God and dead to sin. This is the before and after of salvation, ladies and gentlemen. So how does it apply to us? I'm going to get very pointed this morning. And I'm not going to be making any assumptions here this morning. I want us to be honest, okay? Good, I'm glad you agree. One, have you been saved? Have you been saved? Have you said yes to Jesus Christ and turned your life over to Him? For real. Before you surrendered it all, He said, it's all yours, I give it up. Have you been saved? Because the worst thing I can do is give you false hope. Man, if we get the rest of this wrong, let's not get salvation wrong. Check it. Check it. I should check myself too, right? Amen. That's right. Says my father. <laughs> I should check myself. Have you been saved? Does this apply to you? We have to be honest. Two. Don't live based on who you were. Listen. The comfort zone is not your friend. Every time God has called me to something, it's been uncomfortable. He challenges me because, you know, I would rather sit in the back row, sweep. I was going to say sit in the back row and hand out bulletins, but Don's back there. <laughs> <laughs> so is Terry, that's right. That's a different reason, though. <laughs> I didn't ask God for this. So whatever it is for you, because I used to get really nauseated and sick, and it would actually come to fruition. <laughs> Why would he ask that guy to do this? Because he gets all the glory. It's not about eloquent words and anything. It's about the word of God. As long as, I, as long as I give you this, how can I go wrong? I don't have to come up with cutesy things and little series that, that you know, I've heard. 
I'm not going to call it out, not here on tape. <laughs> but I've heard series based upon movie titles and series based upon other things that don't have anything to do with the Word of God. What happened to us, ladies and gentlemen? What's happened? Where are the people who want to know what the truth is and want to abandon themselves to it no matter what? Even if it's at a cost to you, are you willing to do that? Listen, there's no life found in the comfort zone. You already know it because you're already struggling. Three, explore who you are in Christ and live. Many of us are willing to give it a try. But wouldn't you love to hear the voice of God respond with obedience and discover why he told you as you watch him work? Wouldn't you like to have that? Wouldn't you like to have that moment where God says, I want you to speak to them. Or that person behind you that's trying to talk to you, there's a reason. It's going to turn into a spiritual conversation. And instead of going, man, God, but I've got to get over here. I've got to pick up my kid by six. And i got to do this. And i got to do that. And i got to do that. Huh? You know what? Pay the fee. Do what God said. You mean it could cost me money? You ain't got no money. It's his money. Yeah, I do it to my account. The earth and the fullness of the earth thereof belong the Lord. So you ain't got nothing. So get over that. I ain't got no money. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> How many of you are willing to give it a try? You know, here's one. This is going to... It's interesting, too, because everything going on. So timely. In 40 years of involvement in his church's visitation program, there was a man named Will Durant. 40 years, 4-0, he led one person to Christ. Would we call that a success or a failure? We'd say it apprehensively, though, all right? He only led one in 40 years? 40 years. And he would say, if only one person comes to Christ, it's worth all the effort, right? Well, he retired in 1992, and he moved to Rogers, Arizona. It's an interesting story about this guy. He joined Emmanuel Baptist Church. One Sunday, his pastor preached on soul winning, and Durant responded to the invitation and devoted the remainder of his life to winning souls. Since that time, he's prayed with over 600 people to receive Christ. He isn't casual about his witness. He averages visiting over 60 homes a week. What does he consider the secret to his success? A willing heart. Success is found in a willing heart. Not in what you can do, but he's dedicated himself to something that God spoke to him about. And we would go, wow, wow, he's prayed with over 60. You know, if you prayed with one, if you prayed with, if you prayed with a thousand people, that's God's deal. That's not our deal. 
our deal is to go. He was obedient with a willing heart to go. The other is about how God works, and we give God the glory for the, the 601 people that have come to faith in Christ, whether they came in a year or whether they came in 41 years. It's not about numbers, folks, except for the fact that those people represent somebody that God loves. And so it's time to put our past behind us and live for the Lord. And each moment, he gives us moving forward. We are so anchored to the most hurtful things that have happened in our lives that we stop right there. You ever done that? Did I wake you up? That was so hurtful. That was so hurtful. And that's what we do until we let the Word of God and we let the Holy Spirit of God set us free. We hang around the hurt instead of getting on with the journey with Jesus Christ. And I'm as guilty as anybody. I'm going to confess it to you this morning. I hurt easy because I love deep. <laughs> I've asked the Lord, should I love less so I don't hurt as bad? He just smiles. That's what I picture in heaven, smiling at me. <laughs> yeah. It's not the way it works. Love is real. Love is not in name only. We're not linos. Love in name only. It better be the real deal. It better be the real deal. You better really love each other. We're called to that. It's time to put that behind us. It's time to accept who you are in Christ and never give up. And let's move into the future that God has for us together. Don't ever give up and spinning in place because you were hurt. Isn't that funny? You think we would run away from the thing that hurt us the most just we embrace it. And we grip it and we let it control us. Isn't that crazy to you? Well, I do too. I'm with you. I get it. We'll figure that out together. I'm going to bow their head and close their eyes.